Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the Stagroy. This is again another one of those episodes which I had in mind when creating the Stagroy and it's a discussion that is really going deep into what I wanted to explore and Ben Logan is who we're interviewing and what an interview it was. Much like Keegan last week, Ben unleashes in what he believes in. Uh, we get to go really deep about what it is to be a man, a human in today's uh, digital world, I guess, and explore possibly what we're missing out on when we're glued to our screens. Um, we also do touch on the flip side. For example, this podcast is one of the great benefits of technology. Um, it's an awesome way to share the views of, of a wide and diverse population. And the cool thing that I like about podcasts, at least, is it allows you to learn and take on the thoughts and ideas of so many people um, whilst you're doing something else. Um, I know I enjoy a podcast while sitting in the car. But yeah, back to... Ben, uh, he's an ex-triathlete. He's one of those people that shows true grit and determination. Um, he's a father. Uh, he's an adventurer. And he's not happy enough in making his life uh, a great thing on his own. Um, tribe is something that motivates him, and tribe is something that he's creating. And we, t we touch on it, that ability to identify things that are just right. And Ben, for me, is one of those people that is just right. And I look forward to the day when I'm down in Wanaka or he's up this way and, and we can hopefully cross paths in person because what a man and, and something that somebody who truly resonates with me. I hope you get the same feeling from listening to this conversation. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, you can find Ben at the moment on new.age.primal on Instagram, um, newageprimal.co.nz on the net, and check out some of the awesome work that they're doing down there in Central Otago. Enjoy. How's it going, everybody? Uh, welcome to this episode of The Stag Raw. I'm here with Ben Logan who's coming to us from Wanaka. I'll just premise this with Ben. Um, it's amazing how sort of, I don't know, vibes and universe, if you, if you will, brings people together. Uh, earlier in the year, Joe Rogan had a gentleman on his podcast called uh, Dan Doty um, from the Everyman podcast. And he is establishing a movement which has been going for about 20 years in the States uh, where men come together in groups and Dan's sort of talking about how powerful that, that movement can be, uh, meeting up with other men, discussing men's topics. And then he's ex exploring the outdoors. And Instagram being as it is, um, the boys from Organic Mechanic, shout out to them, were down in Central Otago with this gentleman that we've got right here, Ben Logan, and New Age Primal. And it was just one of those real synergistic moments and I was like boom gotta follow this guy this looks awesome 
So Ben, if you could introduce yourself, who are you today, mate? Um, I'm just a very humble gentleman who lives in the, in the mountains down in Wanaka, who just uh, enjoys helping people, enjoys helping myself, and uh, is always pushing for improvement, I guess. Fantastic, mate. And just to premise yourself, who was Ben Logan as a five-year-old? Um, good question. I like putting being put on the spot. Um, just someone trying to learn who he was, trying to just trying to discover himself. Um, something that took a lot longer than five years of age to realise. But um, yeah, just um, living in Auckland, just figuring out uh, where I fitted into the place, I guess. And what do you think a defining characteristic of a five-year-old would be? Curiosity would just say. Definitely curiosity. Yeah. Yep. Just a, a sense of adventure. Um, just trying to discover things. And where did that sort of take you? To, from where, to where I am now or from, from moving on from five? Uh, a bit of both. Sort of as a five-year-old, what, what sort of things were you exploring and, and finding out about? And then how has that taken you through to today living in the mountains? Uh, we were lucky enough to live in Auckland, obviously the city, but we had, we had a lot of freedom. We lived out at, uh, we spent a lot of time at, at the Waitakere's out towards Piha region. Uh, so we were blessed with the outdoors. Uh, that was something mum always put across to us and always allowed us, which, which was good. So I think I had a taste for it growing up, uh, experienced it. Um, and I think those younger ages, they really set the tone for who you're going to become later in life, which I think is very important. You know, we've got a, a nine-month-old daughter, nearly ten-month-old, and just those first those first years are so critical for development. And it, like I said, it really sets the tone for who they're going to become later in life, I guess. And I think you know that's it's played out with me and my love for this sort of environment. Fantastic, and um, I'm an expecting father next year. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, what what was that moment like of 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 holding your daughter for the first time? Uh, <laughs> I've still, a lot of people ask, and I still haven't been able to find the words. It's just the most uh, out of this world feeling you probably ever have. It's, um, there's such a build up, and you go through such a phase of the different stages of uh, pregnancy, obviously from a supportive role. Um, but, and, and, you know, once you get through the birth and you realize everything's fine, you know, everything's safe, and she's going to be, you, uh, whatever baby you're going to have is going to be fine. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a feeling you can never, uh, never put into words. Just when they, um, yeah, they finally come out, they're born, and just seeing this, um, just seeing this baby that you've had a very weird relationship with for the last nine months. Nice, mate. And I see on your Instagram, you've got a hell of a rig for taking it your daughter out in the wilderness what was the first age for, for doing that the first age yeah we took her up to the first alpine cabin we went to at about six weeks awesome uh, <laughs> up at snow farm on a piece of range but we, we we took her out and that's the thing you know they're, they're they're a product in their environment so we wanted to get her out into town into new settings and different environments from about you know, the first week uh obviously obviously with a lot of caution and care and safety but um yeah, I think just get, get them out, get them out young, get them out young, get them doing things uh, and experience the, the life that you that you live and the life you love. Awesome. Now, we were supposed to catch up on Friday and unfortunately you, you caught a bit of a lurgy. Um, 
But I think it's quite good that we're speaking this morning on, on the 1st of November. I've, I've had a shave. and I shaved yesterday as well. Nice, yeah. nice mate. Are you, are you growing the slug? Uh, probably not. You'll, you'll, be probably mo- not. you'll be moving every day, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I shaved by coincidence just by yesterday. I didn't, I didn't even realize the date, to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> so it is, it is a good coincidence. Um, I think that's where you and I sort of probably find a, a good balance is that we're both promoting men's health uh, yes. or health and well-being as a, as a subject. Um, how does New Age Primal approach that, that factor? We're actually going through a bit of a rebrand and looking at changing name in the next little while. But um, it's just, you know, it's just been an interest of mine. It started as a personal development sort of, not quest, but uh, just an interest in personal development. Um, there came a big hobby. There came a lot of research. There came a lot of case studies. There came a lot of working with friends. That came um, to the idea of starting a business. Um, you know, but for me, I mean, we've all got to spend the time we have here doing something. Um, and I, th- I think if we can spend that time doing something we really enjoy, something that's beneficial, something that contributes, something that gives back, uh, I think, you know, in turn, that's going to make us a much happier person. So for me, in New Age Primal, it's just, you know, you know we, we live in a world where it's not conducive for health, it's not conducive for happiness. Um, and, you know, stick to your strengths, and my strengths are working with men. Um you know, the goal for me and the goal of the work I do is just to help men live a better quality of life, uh, teach them to perform at their absolute best, and that can be in any any aspect, and also how to survive in this world at their absolute best. And I think that's a very critical factor that, that gets left out, you know, whether it be urban wilderness survival, um, every, everyday survival, and just, you know, the mindset strategies just to uh, get through the world and navigate the world we live in. Fantastic. Now, we've got, we've got some pretty horrific... Uh, suicide statistics, especially in men and especially in people in a rural environment. Um, do you have any theories on, on why, as a country, you know we're so, we're so isolated from each other and and can let depression and, and mental illness get the better of us? Yeah, that's something. I mean, a nutrition gets taken, uh, puts the spotlight on. You know, physical performance gets the, the spotlight's always on that. But um, yeah, mental health is something that I think is always left under the radar, and something I need. There's something that needs addressing. Um, I think a lot of people in this world they don't have a purpose. They don't have a reason to wake up in the morning. They don't have something that they absolutely love to do. And I think you know, intrinsically, I do a lot of work with evolutionary health, ancestral health, and you know, throughout evolution, we've, we've had a purpose. We've had a tribe. We've been part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, we've always had something to do. Normally, look after our family, protect, get hunting, gather. Um, in the last sort of couple of hundred years, that's changed. And um, Sebastian Junger does a lot of work in this area. Very clever man. He started as, as a war journalist, but he's wrote a very good book called Tribe that sort of delves into this a lot. But um, just I, I think a huge percentage of the population, women as well, just don't have a purpose in life. Um, very confused, you know, the, the content of social media, just the, the modern lifestyle, like I said, is not conducive to happiness or health, mental health in particular. Um, and from there, the, things can spiral very, very quickly. But you also, I've also seen the other end of the spectrum as well, that once people sort of do realize, you know, their purpose in this life, you know, what their interests, their love, what they want to do, 
you can also see the spike back and how quickly they can bounce back into um, positivity as well. Fidesi, you touched on social media there. Uh, you obviously use that as a tool to promote. It's, it's how I connected with you. Uh, what sort of tools and balances do you use to um, not, not have social media uh, control your life and, and control your feelings? It's a very hard it's a very hard line to walk and I don't think there's a right answer for that. I think everyone's got to find their own sort of what suits them best, what fits them best. I mean, for, you, for me, it's a, it's a marketing tool. Um, you know, my, my goal is to help men, but for me to be able to do that, I've got to actually get my message out to men. Um, you know, so it's an incredibly powerful and free marketing tool. And I think without it, it's very hard to have a, a thriving business or, or using social media at all. So again, you've just got to find where your line is and, and be confident with that and stick with it. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for me, I want to have an authentic message. I mean, to, um, a message that I actually live. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put content out there that I'm not actually doing or that I don't believe in. Um, so again, use it for, use it for the good. Um, you know, I don't sit there trolling. Or, I mean, no, I do. It's, it's hard to say you're not going to sit there trolling other people's accounts and looking at photos. Um, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy seeing photos. I enjoy seeing what people are doing. I enjoy it a lot more than Facebook, to be honest. But um, I'm a visual person. I like seeing images and videos. But it can, it can you've just got to be careful. You don't tip it to the other side um, and fall off that line. Um, and I think yeah, just just being confident, honest with yourself, and just just deciding you know what makes you happy with social media and what what's going to serve you and what's going to Go the other, uh, rock the boat too far. Great. Do you have any specific channels that that you get inspiration or, or get enjoyment out of? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. There's a new one actually that I really enjoy called Northman. It's a bunch of Scandinavian men who are master craftsmen. They make swords, knives, axes, tools, houses, and they're just uh, they've just made they've just made craft. You know, the the, the, the highest craft possible. That's what they do. And I think it's something that's sort of lacking these days is um, time, patience, and um, craftsmanship. So I really enjoy their account. They, they take great photos and um, great videos. So I really enjoy watching their work. It's, got, it's inspiring for me. Nice. Uh, and it's probably ties in well with what you're talking about, a, a pursuit. And that, that um, often you hear people talk about their search of mastery uh, with, with something like that. Um, Last night, when I, well, yesterday I was trying to jack up to, to talk to you, you were at jiu-jitsu last night, and, and that's something that everybody seems to be doing these days, even even a mate who's a teacher up here in the Waikato is into the jiu-jitsu. What, what is it about this you know, martial art that all of a sudden has become a phenomenon? You know, what, what, what is it, what's in it for you? To be honest, it's my second class, so I don't have a very educated uh, perspective <laughs> on speaking about it. But I can speak from a very uneducated. I mean, I've done I've done different forms of martial arts in the past, a bit of um, military-based combatives, uh, close-quarter training, things like that. Um, there seems to be a very rich history that goes along with it, along with uh, many other martial arts. Um, but for me, it's just. I mean. I don't sort of ever want to associate myself with one type of martial arts. I think a very well-rounded. Uh, approach is very beneficial and useful um, but for me again just just learning the craft learning the history uh, learning its roots its origins and um, how I can take 
the best aspects of that and, and put it in my life, implement it in my life. Um, but yeah, I don't have a particularly educated viewpoint to answer that, I guess. But um, I, th I think it's just a useful skill, a very practical skill people can use, um, a skill that gives people confidence is, uh, is the best way I can answer that yet. But hopefully we can speak in the future. I can give a much, uh, much deeper <laughs> understanding to that question. For everyone out there, this is the first time that uh, Ben and I have spoken. So this is, we're uh, flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, you, you speak about finding the history and, and when you created New, New Age Primal, you did a lot of research. What? How do you sort of attack a topic in, in terms of your research and learning more? And is that what you always do or do you do a little bit of troll in here? Um combination I, th I think i did a talk at the ancestral health uh, society of new zealand symposium uh two weeks ago and that was on cold water immersion and i think um one of the things i said was we live we live in a world of science we live in a world of knowledge everyone knows a lot of shit like we know stuff but the amount of people who can actually turn that knowledge into sustainable action is very limited and i think that's a big disconnect in the world we live in whether it be the health world what the wellness whatever whatever world you associate yourself with um there's too much knowledge, I think. Everyone knows stuff. Knowledge is easy. Um, there's more than enough knowledge on the internet and in people's heads. But I think actually turning that knowledge into a strategy, you know, how do you strategize it and how do you actually make it useful so people can use it? That's the area that interests me the most and I think is lacking. So I think, you know, for people moving forward, I think, you know, knowledge is key. You've got to start with knowledge. But I think also having that understanding of now's the time I've actually got to use it. I've got to action this is what actually um you know turns it into strategy um so for me i do, I do a lot of, I do enjoy research i enjoy research i enjoy the understanding i enjoy the concepts i enjoy the foundation of what i'm actually practicing um so i do a lot of study from a scientific point of view from an evolutionary point of view from an ancestral point of view um and sort of the goal for me is to find ways you can you can actually implement that into a modern world. I mean, ancestral health is the understanding of where we've come from, our past. Um, a lot of our ancestors didn't have the phys physiological or, or uh, physical illnesses or uh, destruction that we have these days. Um, but again, we have a very different playing field. We have a modern society. We have jobs. We have work. We have d different sort of chronic stresses that we have to deal with. So, you know, the playing field is different, and I think we need to adapt to that as well. So, yeah, different forms of research um, and finding cutting-edge ways to actually implement it to make that knowledge useful. And has that ever been in a formal capacity? or, or is this... No, it hasn't, not at all. No, I've never studied a day at a formal institution in my life. Um, I've studied a lot of the research papers and a lot of the places that those institutes study from. Um, so I try and get the best quality of research papers that I can find, medical, scientific, literature and journals. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to do some very good work, some very good uh, professionals in medical capacities and health, and health capacities. Um, so again, you know, for, for me, you know, I haven't studied a formal institution, but I, you know, I, I seek out the best people in any area that I want to research from and, um, and work from there. Great. And, and while we're there, if you could touch on how did you come in contact with, uh, is it your part, business partner, Dr. Dr. Greg Emerson? Greg, yeah. yes. Um, Greg's a little less to do with it now, just the logistics of, he's, he's based in Brisbane, he's got a clinic there. 
So he will come over for our bigger courses, but you know, financially and time-wise for him to come over for a smaller course, it's just not viable. Um, I actually met Greg and Monica, you spoke at the start, how you know how the universe provides things like that and how we connected through the organic mechanic, et cetera. I actually met Greg at a, just at a cafe down here and we just bumped into each other and for some reason exchanged what we did and just had an immediate connection. And um, I think that day or the next day we went out pine pollen foraging and um, jumped in the river, did some swimming together and, you know, we've just been connected at the hip ever since and, you know, talking three or four days, three or four times a day. And yeah, it's just, you know, with this sort of work, the work you do, the work um, this sort of community does, it's, um, there's a lot of us, but we're still quite rare. So I think when you find someone like that, you find someone you have a connection with, uh, you hold on to it pretty tight. Nice. I love to break down in that little spiel, but uh, what's it like having a mentor and what do you get out of having a mentor? Um, wisdom, knowledge, perspective, experience. Um, you know, I think I know a lot of stuff, but Greg, for example, he's been around the bush many times. Um, you know, he, he's older and he's mid fifties or early fifties, sorry, but, um, just experience different perspectives, um, learning from hardship, learning from success, uh, different stories, different ways to do things. Um, just experience, experience and perspective, I think are the, are the two main attributes that I look for. Does it allow you, do you think, um, the confirmation of what you're doing at his, his experience and the fact that he's been through stuff, is it? Is it, does it give you that opportunity? Because I know for myself, I play over a, a situation in my head and, and wonder, is it viable? But having someone who's been through it and asking them, is this the right thing to do? Is, is that quite quite a good I think I think it's very important. I think it's key to have um, a very tight-knit tribe of men around you that you can trust. You know, again, like we live in a world where we have... Um, we just live in a very warped world, a world that's not actual reality. For example, you know, I've got a hundred and I've got, I've got about 60 friends on Facebook. I've got 60 friends on Facebook because I know their friends and people that I trust and I, and then I can call on at any time. You know, we live in a world where there's, um, oh, I've got so many followers. I've got this many friends on Facebook, but if you actually ask the question, how many would actually come around and help you in the next half hour, if you really needed it, you know, it'd be, it'd be 1% at most you know, three or four people. Um, so if, for me, I like to have a very tight knit group of men around me that I can talk to for advice, perspective, experience. I can balance ideas and philosophies off and it's, um, it's reassured. They're always there to reassure me that, um, you know, what I'm thinking, where I'm, where I'm going with this is on the right path or it might not be, but at least, um, you know, I trust their opinion on it. Lovely. Uh, and with this, you know, you, you speak about having a good group of men and we're in, like you say, maybe a, a, an illusionary society, um, which is quite androgynous and it can be often difficult to talk about masculinity and, and without being labelled chauvinistic, if you will. How, do you, how would you frame this sort of work in terms of men and, and primalness and, and ancestral <laughs> how, how, how do you think it, it touches back to our core and allows us to actually be a better person and a more accepting person? Well, it's, 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 it's who we are. You know, I think, I think we, we live in a, going back to my talk at the Ancestral Health Symposium the other week, 
you know, one of the biggest problems is we live in such a technologically advanced world now. You know, we, we can build spaceships, we can build new buildings, we can build cities, we can technologically we can do anything. And the and that, that's not a bad thing. It comes with some downsides, but it's not always a bad thing. Um, but one of the biggest problems I think it's caused is that we assume that our our psychology and our physiology has evolved in the same manner. When in actual fact, we're still we're still running off very ancient software, software that's very clever, very adaptive, um, and very efficient, but it's just different to the world we live in now. And I think that's something that we need to understand very clearly is that the world we live in is not something we're adapted to. And I think that's where a lot of physical uh, illness comes from, a lot of psychological illness comes from. Um, so I think, you know, before we can move forward, obviously, you know, I, th I think the reason you're probably doing this work, the reason um, Dan Doherty, I actually spoke to him at a bit of a podcast with him a couple of months back, um, the reason Sebastian Jung is doing this work, um, the reason organic mechanics doing this work is we realize there are problems. We realize there are problems and we want to use our knowledge, our experience, our perspective to help other men, help other people. Um, but I think before we can move forward, we need to understand where we've come from. Um, it's a lot easier to win the game when you know the, the playbook. So, you know, you know, we've got to really understand that we're running off different software than we think we are. Um, and that really ties back to our ancestral roots, our ancestral past, um, our, you know, our primal software, basically. Um, and we have, we know, we know there's things in that, that are intrinsic to us as humans. Um, and we know there's things that are extrinsic to humans. Uh, things that we don't need in our life, you know, that's social media, that's the pressures from it, that's having a job we don't enjoy, that's sitting in traffic six hours a day, uh, six hours a week, that's eating food that is just not biologically suited to us. Um, but, you know, there's things that are intrinsic to us as well, things we need to thrive as a species, as humans, as men, you know, those are to feel valued, to feel loved, to be part of a tribe, um, to, be, to have a purpose in life, to, to have a reason to wake up in the morning. Uh, we know we need food, we need hormetic stresses, um, we need hardship, we need rest, we need recovery, um, we need insight, we need perspective, we need experiences, positive experiences. So, you know, just through history and, and just, just through common sense, we know there are things that we need, need to be happy, need to be successful, need to thrive in this world. And you know, that really does come back to our ancestral roots. But I think before we can really understand that, I think that concept of the fact that we are living, we are running off different software to what we um, assume we are in the modern world, I think is very, very important. I couldn't agree more. Um, one sort of theory that uh, I've come up with is that you, you speak about the tribe and often the tribe has elders and, and levels of elders. Um, and especially in, in a world where we grow up and now in social media where they have this this constant of of i was reading an article the other day that they no longer go home and get away from the bully they they you know no longer go home and mum and dad are there to to love them um and then they find solace in their phone with their friends but at the same time with their bullies and that bogs them down um for me, I went to a university and the people that were the mentors and things were just a year older than me, you know, 19-year-olds <coughs> and things, teaching 18-year-olds, you know, you're free, you're now, 
you're now um, away from home, you're now an adult, yeah. if you will, when you're nowhere near. Um, do you think that we're lacking this sort of rite of passage and rite of passage from the right people as opposed to going to university and getting, getting plastered? And <laughs> that, was, that was the exact uh, phrase or quote or words that I was actually going to use a rite of passage. And I think it's something that is, uh, you know, it's, it's not lacking, it's non-existent, it doesn't exist. You know, that's something, you know, four generations was absolutely lost. So it's not lacking. I don't think it's there in the first place. Um, but I think it's something that is extremely necessary and extremely beneficial um, and it's something that's needed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I traditionally, ancestrally, um, you know, cultures, like you said, we had elders. We had, we had different uh, tiers of our tribe and they came with different, um, they had different purposes, I guess, different meanings, uh, different offerings to offer us back to the young. And yeah, that's lacking these days. I mean, my father left when I was two days old. My stepfather was a very abusive man. He divorced my mum when I was 10. Um, so I didn't grow up with a really good father figure. And a lot of the other, you know, traditional men in this, uh, this age or the 21st century, um, they're still dealing with a lot of problems. I mean, I think, you know, yourself and me and men of our age, we're not the only ones with these problems. This goes back multi-generationally. You know, this goes back three or four generations or two to three, actually, I would say, of men growing up um, with misinformation, lack of purpose, um, lack of a rite of passage. But, you know, you, you go past that a little bit further, those traditions seem to kick in a lot more. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't have a rite of passage anymore. We don't have these cultures, these traditions, these... Um, yeah, this knowledge is not passed on. It's not held in a way that's conducive for uh, the development of young men. But I think, you know, that there's something that I'm going to try doing with my family. That it's something that, um, you know, I look to Greg for and, and other, other elders for. Um, but it's, yeah, something that's is, uh, critical, I think, in development of men. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that the more I listen to the likes of Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss yeah. and Dan. You know, th th this stuff is a rocket science. You know, yeah. like I said, we get stuck in this world of um, fictional stories. You know, there's, there's a um, great book called Sapiens. I don't know if you've read that or not. I keep hearing about this book. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's good. It's by a Jewish professor called Yuval Harari. And he had a couple of um, objectives for the book. And one was to figure out um, how how we ended up where we are now, basically, to put it in a very crass way. You know, one of the things he realized was that we, we're one of the only animals who can believe in fictional stories. Now, you know, for example, if you try and get a chimpanzee to believe in certain ideologies and when he passes, he'll get all the bitches and bananas he'll want. You know, that means nothing to him. If I say to my dog, Masker, like, give me back your bone and if you're good, I'll give you two tonight. It means nothing. You know, we're the only... And it's not a bad thing as well. It's brought us many great things, but we have this weird ability to believe in fictional stories you know the idea of a podcast that's a fictional story the idea of a schooling um you know uh, donald trump politics uh border patrol the federal reserve you know they're, they're not actual reality reality is performance and survival um and we live in a world now where everything is based on fictional stories you know you wake up you have your wheat bix you have a hard training you have a power aid and you get a mcdonald's you get a salad because that's healthier for you you know, everything's fictional stories, basically. That's how we live our life. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's brought us many great things and luxuries, and it's ensured our survival in certain ways. But it has taken away um, things that are intrinsic and actual are reality. 
Um, and we, we just live in such a modern way of thinking, like we assume that all of this stuff has happened like in the last 50, 60 years, when in fact we you know we take that away and we go back 500 years, 1,000 years, and there's just such a rich history and culture and health, wellness, positivity, strength, resilience that can be uh, taken from that area. You know, I do a lot of uh, study and have an immense interest in Native American culture. And, you know, the, the reason for that is they just they have such an abundant learning environment for their kids. Um, their men are such warriors. You know, they're, a strong and, they're, they're stronger and more resilient than our Olympic athletes. Um, and the reason for it is they had to be, they had to do that. They had to become those people, those men, so they could look after their children and they can ensure the longevity of their tribe, their, their culture. Um, you know, they, they knew what foods to eat. They had incredible situational awareness. They were incredible scouts. They were warriors. They were fathers. They were lovers. Um, they were medicine men. And just, um, you know, that they had to do that to survive, basically. Now, we don't quite have that. You know, if, if we... If we don't do that, we just go to the doctor. We call someone. We outsource our problems. We're not self-reliant anymore. Um, so I guess, you know, when you take away this modernism, this modern way of thinking, these modern ideologies, and you take a good look back through history, there's incredible things to be learned. Um, there's also bad things to be learned. And I think if we can find that right balance and walk the line of taking the best from our past and combining it with the best of now, the best of modern science, the best of modern uh, living, you know, I think that's where... Yeah, that's where you've struck gold, I think. Nice. And you said Cynthia, about the best things you can learn. Um, what, what, if if you can, what do you think was was positive about your your experience growing up with, like you said, a, a, your biological father leaving and and a stepfather who wasn't the most the greatest role model? How did you find find male role models, or, or how did you shape your idea of a of a of a, of a man, if you will. Um, difficultly, very difficultly, to be honest. Um, a lot of confusion, anger, um, challenges growing up from that, I guess. Uh, but it, well, firstly, it taught me the type of father I never wanted to be. Mm. And perhaps without that, I wouldn't be the father I am now and the father I, you know, I hope to be in the future. Um, so, you know, in, in everything bad, there's always something good, I always believe. Um, but again, um, just that intrinsic feeling of, um, you know, going back to ancestral roots, um, you know, when, when you are introduced to people around you who have those traits of an incredible father figure, um, you just know it to be right. You know, I had a very good coach in Auckland called uh, Jack Rolson. Um, he was, he coached Hamish Carter and Cameron Brown for many years. He was trained under Peter Snell in the, in the uh, sorry, in the Lydiard era. Uh, incredible triathlon running coach and he was just an amazing man uh, loving caring knowledgeable um, always there at the drop of a hat and um, it just screamed a father figure um, I've had others throughout my life as well and been lucky enough to have those in my in my life and in my surroundings and again they just they just have the traits that you're attracted to as a young man you know they're supportive they're loving they're caring they offer wisdom they listen um, you know and I think when you have one polar opposite of, you know, the worst level of father um, or the la the worst level of um, fatherhood. Um, and when you sort of get introduced to the, the other end of that, you know, that the best of it is, um, is very obvious very quickly. Cool. No, that's, I, I, I like what you said that, that it is so intrinsic to recognize, yeah. to recognize, you know, what is, what is right. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we lack as well. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't trust our gut. We don't, we don't actually feel things anymore. We live in a, we, 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 we think about it, yeah. um, but we, we don't feel things anymore. And, you know, just that gut feeling, just that the ability to actually feel, have emotions, have feelings to, and, and to have confidence and to actually uh, action those feelings, I think is something that's lacking as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm extremely lucky that that I had you know two sets of grandparents and and, and a very strong father figure a, a around. But I definitely think that growing up, there was something that I that I didn't do and and, and probably still struggle to do is engage with how I feel and mm. and and yeah, go with that go with that gut. Like <laughs> like I said, you know, I've, I've thousand and one thoughts going on and and no idea how to execute any of them and, and and it's the more you sort of look at what makes someone great and it's and it's usually nothing special it's just the fact that they they did it and they and they and they went after the thing that they were passionate about yeah is, is that what sort of threw you into to starting a business like as you said no formal education yeah. what yeah it is um i mean i mean going back i mean uh let's just take a quick look at the path that most men or you know women as well everyone goes down you know we go to school um because this is what we do um you know some schools are great some schools are average i had a pretty average school um, but again you know some schools are incredible for learning and development in all areas um then from there what do we do with kind of sick of school we've, we've developed a few problems through our growing up phase then we either go on a big, bit of an oe for a while um just 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 to escape or we get forced into uni um and it's not usually something that we want to do or something we've been given some parameters of things that could be nice and we just kind of go with it just because you know we're, we're kind of supposed to everyone else is doing it your friends are doing it um so again you know we just we get to the age of between 20 and 30 and we actually haven't actually realized what we love to do um or really trusted or had the confidence or skills to trust our instincts, you know, our own mindsets. And yeah, this, this is something I really enjoy. Um, you know, so it normally gets to a bit of a midlife crisis and then men sort of think, Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do something I really enjoy. Um, so yeah, ha having that confidence from a young age is hard in this era that we live in. But I think it's something if we can develop some sort of confidence that you take something, you know, just, just take the confidence to action things you enjoy. Um, things that feel right that think, you know we've been talking about intrinsic feelings today but going back personally for me yeah it was something that I didn't do at all growing up um, you know early 20s I started to get these feelings and you know started to experiment with it a bit more in mid-20s and I guess the, the catalyst was actually moving to Wanaka from Auckland um, you know I stayed in Auckland far too long you know it's a great city I enjoy the place but um, I got very complacent with it and got very stagnant so staying there wasn't a, a good thing for me so I think yeah the catalyst was actually moving here and I think from there I started to be a lot more confident with making decisions of things that I really enjoyed things that felt right uh, gut feelings and I think it's yeah ended up with where I'm at now where I'm at now and the work I do lovely uh, I think the biggest fear for me and it was something I was speaking with my partner last night about is that there's a certain pressure on, on on a young man's shoulders that you need to be the provider, you need to be uh, successful, you need to do all these things. But then there's also, if you think about it, that actually comes from nowhere. Um, starting out a business in, in 
obviously being a clean slate and, and having nothing, how do you sort of shake that feeling of I'm the provider, I, I need to be bringing something in and, and follow the passion and the enjoyment and, and the vision of what, what can be achieved? How, how did you sort of, what was, <laughs> what was your self-talk around getting through that? Um, a couple of a couple of different layers. I mean, I went from racing triathlon, you know, struggling triathletes. Uh, then I got quite sick for about five years. I had epilepsy quite badly, uh, which I've sort of managed to cure and get around that. Um, and then I was like, well, living in Wanaka, there's not a lot of opportunities. You know, there's tourism, there's adventure, which I'm not really trained for, and there's trade, which I can't even put a fucking nail in a wall. <laughs> and there's um, hospitality so in terms of a career longevity wise and want to care or the place i live there wasn't many options um and i'm not particularly good at many things either you know i'm, I'm very good at a small handful of things but in terms of a wide range of things i'm not very good at many things um so you know i just wanted to create something i wanted to use my skill set that i've developed and honed and um so yeah, that, that was basically, I, I had to make a job for myself basically to stay in this sort of environment. You know, so that's the first answer to your question. The second thing is you know, a lot of people, what is a provider? You know, a provider to me is someone who has a purpose, who's happy, who can, uh, I guess, financially in the world uh, contribute and provide for the family, pay the bills, the mortgage, pay for food and other things. Um, you know, but also, also, also be, you know, the essence of what a provider is. You know, provider in a modern world is making money and that's it you know that they go to job a job they hate most of the time um, but you know the modern meaning of a provider is a financial how can, how can they pay the bills uh, but to me the the meaning of provider is is much deeper than that so yeah um, financially has been hard the first couple of years um, you know starting a, a new business in a field that doesn't really exist you know, like performance survival courses for me and just there's nothing, you know, that, that um, what we do with the only people who do, who, who does that, you know, there's plenty of places that is nutrition and different companies who do survival and different things that do mindset coaching and strategies and means development, but to put it all in one place, you know, that's, that doesn't really exist. Um, so starting, starting a niche business is always going to be hard, but um, you know, focus on the, focus on the long game as well. I think is something that's lacking in this world and um, you know, this isn't for me, this isn't a, a one-year business or, a, or how can I make money this year or next year, it's how can I make money um, in a sustainable way that's going to last me 50, 60 years. Um, but also, you know, being a provider, how can I architect a life and a job that is going to bring out the best in me because I, I can't be a provider if I'm a grumpy asshole who gets home from work from a job I hate and it doesn't uh, have the emotional tolerance left to care for my children, my wife, um, who on the in the weekends just wants to go to the, the the bar with my mates just to just to decompress. You know, to me that's that's not a provider. You know, provider is someone who can be a father, a lover, a supporter, a listener. You know, all, all the all the traits we spoke about in the past and the, you know, the last ten minutes that can also financially provide as well. Um, so again, just just getting away from the traditional understand the modern understanding of provider is just. You know, it comes from a financial sense. That's that's so, a really good frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's been hard, and it took a lot of time, a lot of self confidence, um, a lot of breaking the traditional norms, and just um, you know, the, the, one of the things I like about Wanaka and this place we live is is the the mental space you have to think, and I found that quite hard in the city. You know, it, it's there. You might have to travel a bit further and and find your own little area. But I enjoy having the space here that I can think uh, clear-headedly. I can form my own 
ideologies and thoughts and philosophies. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just having the confidence to back yourself. And, you know, I think once you develop that really good purpose, you know, hone in on what, what it is you're here to do. You know, for, um, you know, when we first started, it was more of a, a health-based thing. It was more of wild foods, um, mental, all sorts of things, you know. So it's, it's changed a lot, but the direction is exactly the same. The, 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 the purpose behind it. And I think that's what matters. If you can develop, if you can take the time to think, you know, what is it that I really want to do with my life? What interests me? Um, I don't want to be a drone. I, I want to be happy. You know, that's what we're after. We're after happiness and health, um, confidence, strength, resilience. And I think if you can hone into what's going to bring that out of you, and again, that, that can take years to do. That can take 10 years to do. But at least if you're on the path to d- discovering that, um, from there you can start architecting a life around it. And I think, you know, this never ends. You never find your purpose, I think. You, you, you hone in on it. But, it, you know, I think we live in a world now where we think, um, I've discovered health. Fuck it, I've done it. I've read this book. You know, I've eaten this. I've drunk this smoothie. I've had this meal. I've found health. You know, I've, I've done this workout for this year. Like, I'm good. I'm good for a while. But, you know, this, this never ends. Um, you know, I've got this sort of analogy I like, which is, you know, there's a stone here. And this is the, the absolute shittest, worst level of health. And we all know what that is. And that's the, probably the reason we're all doing this work. And you take another stone and you throw it as far as you can and you throw it to the point where you can't actually see it. And that sort of symbolizes the absolute end of the scale. And you can't actually get to it, which is a cool thing. If you can achieve health, that's boring. You've already done it. Um, but you know, the goal is to always keep pushing, to always keep working towards and just to keep on striving. You know, Become an expert at health. Become an expert at happiness. Become an expert at love. Um, and just, you know, the goal for me is just to become an expert at these things. Uh, when I say an expert, it's not an obsessive way. It's just a lifelong passion, desire, um, purpose to just discover these things, to learn what I can achieve and help others with it. Um, and I think once you sort of hone in on that and sort of get that mindset around that, then you can start architecting a life around it. And from there, I think that's where those big transformations happen. That's, that's uh, beautiful, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, you, you spoke there that originally it was the, the wild foods and, and exploring the wilderness and, and earlier you touched on the pollen gathering. Uh, it's something I'd, I'd never seen before and, and living in places like Christchurch and in Vicago where you see the, the pollen running through the gutters and, and struggling with severe hay fever for a number of years. Thankfully that's gone. Um, <coughs> can you tell us what harvesting pollen is about and what it is used for <laughs> yeah it's a fucking pain in the ass to be honest <laughs> oh, yeah it's a horrible job no it's not <coughs> excuse me um so pine pollen is the male sperm essentially from the cactus from the pine tree um so every year the you, you may have seen the small cactus they basically dry up release and for a sort of a five to seven, three to five to seven day period each spring, um, you have the option, you have the ability to harvest pine pollen. Now, that depends on the wind. It's very fine dust, so it blows away very, very quickly. And Wanaka is usually very windy in spring, so you've got to be quick and pick your days. Um, but again, you know, the tradition of collecting food, uh, tradition, uh, collecting wild medicine is something that's lost these days. It's a dying art, but I think it's an art that's very intrinsic, very beneficial, just you know, from a survival point of view, just to know where, what plants you can eat, to know uh, where you can harvest medicine from. 
Um, but again, it does something to you. It, it takes you on a bit of a journey. You know, it connects you to something. And I think, you know, we, we spoke about when you know there's a good father figure, you just know it. You feel it. You understand it. Um, when you do certain things as well that are intrinsic to humans, again, we've, we've collected wild foods for hundreds of thousands of years. And the last, well, last generation will stop. Um, you know, so we're still hardwired to want to be out foraging food, collecting food, understanding where it comes from. Um, so there's a deep meaning and great meaning in it as well. Uh, but pine pollen is an incredible plant. It's a very good adaptogen. Adaptogens are very, very uh, beneficial. But it comes from sort of the Chinese herbalism. Um, ad adaptogens help your body uh, physically and mentally adapt to stress. So it can be used from a, a, a physical physiological point of view I, I used a lot of adaptogens when i was doing training triathlons uh ginseng astragalus um pine pollen was a big one and um your recovery and performance benefits are just phenom phenomenal you know we look to a lot of these modern proteins a lot of these modern simulants for uh performance benefits but shit if you can get into these um safely sustainably and sort of appropriately for what you're actually after and work with perhaps a good herbalist on it or someone who knows what they're talking about incredible benefits to be gained um very good phytoandrogen it balances out the uh, estrogen levels in one's body uh, very high in antioxidants um, superoxide dismutasing super sorry glutathione as well um i think it's got all the essential amino acids uh, complete protein source um it's just just an incredible incredibly powerful plant um, very, very hard to collect. So you got to get a bag of some sort or a big paper bag, a big plastic bag, put it over the tree, shake it out. Uh, very time consuming. It's not something, it takes days. <laughs> it takes a long time. It's, um, I have no idea how they make it on a commercial scale. Uh, you know, we, we try, this year we didn't actually get any. It was our wedding um, the week it came out, so we just missed it. But uh, luckily I had enough from last year when Greg was over. So we try and collect enough for the season, basically the next 12 months. Um, but yeah, just a very beneficial plant. And it's just one of many beneficial plants that when you do get into wild food foraging, you can sort of learn about and the sort of properties and how they can be used and how they can benefit benefit us. And how would you consume that? Uh, so you can put in a tincture with alcohol and extract the uh, medicine, the, the properties from it. Uh, or you can just keep it in a powder form and um, put it, I put it with bone broth, put it with smoothies, um, just with a good quality fat. Uh, and, and just just down the hatch, but the tinctures are a good way. Nice, yeah. And, and, and you speak about you know good quality herbalist. Um, that's actually been my cure for hay fever. It was Is at, it? At, at the apothecary in Christchurch. Yeah, hooked me up with this tea. Couldn't even tell you what was in it. Yeah, and she said, oh, you know, heat heat that up in a jar, and your your symptoms will be gone. I think I did yeah. it three or four times, and. Haven't, yeah. haven't, haven't had hay fever since. Yeah, no, I mean, mo modern, modern medicine is incredible. You know, modern medicine has brought us many great things. It's brought us bad things as well. But, um, you know, again, it's combining the best of the past with the best of now. You know, traditionally, uh, we, we, I could talk for hours about wild foods, the domestication of foods, um, you know, gene expression of wild plants. But, um, you know, we, there's incredible knowledge to be gained from wild plants, Tradition, uh, incredible benefits to be gained from it. Um, and if you combine it with modern modern understanding of it as well, you know that, that's gold. Nice. And you spoke about uh, cold immersion, and, and for those who you know might not be familiar with the likes of Wim Hof, you know, I I tr try jump in the shower straight away and 
and let the cold water flow over me. Uh, and then I see videos of you jumping in the Clutha River. <laughs> yeah. um, what is it about the cold for you and, and what have you learned um, and, and how do you perceive cold immersion? Um, you know, the, the goal for me is what can I achieve? What's the best man um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? What's the best um, being I can be while I have this time on earth? Um, you know, and for me to be able to do that, um, you know, success is on the other side of hard work. Um, and looking back from an evolutionary point of view, you know, literally 99.9% of our time has been faced with environmental discomfort. So you know, the, the option to have a fire, to have heating, essential heating or a heat pump or a jacket um, is very, very new to us. You know, that's something in the last couple hundred years. So, you know, the, the last however many hundreds of thousands of years we've been on this earth has been, we've been faced with environmental discomfort, hardship. Um, so again, you know, physiologically, we're, we're designed to be stressed. You know, so we think about physical stresses, and that's pretty much the only one we encompass. You know, we know we need training. We know we need strength and endurance, uh, natural movement. We know we need these things. But there's other stresses like uh, fasting, for example, like the stress that wild plants contain, uh, the stress from uh, environmental discomfort, as in the cold water. So, you know, we know what chronic stress is. You know, that's having a shitty job, a bad relationship, bad food. Uh, boss that we hate that's chronic stress we don't know what that is but there's things called hormetic stress as well which is basically small amounts of stress appropriate stress that in a small dose is very beneficial for us but in a large dose is very damaging so for example if you're used to running 10k and you run 12k or 13k that's a bit of a stress that your body can adapt to if you try and be a smart ass and a hero and push it out to 30k you know that's going to be damaging if I stay in the river for a period of time that I'm used to, that's going to be uh, challenging for the body. If I go four times that, that's going to be hypothermic. So you see the difference here? Um, so, you know, one's chronic stress and one is a hormetic stress. And again, we don't have many hormetic stresses in our life. We have a lot of chronic stress, but not hormetic stress. And again, we've evolved off hormetic stresses for our entire evolution, basically. Uh, basically. So they're very beneficial for us. And aside from physical training, which most people don't actually do these days, um, that's the only sort of parameter of hormetic stresses that we have. So cold immersion is just an incredible way to, I guess, uh, pay homage and understand how we will come some come from our evolutionary past. Um, it's just a very good mental resilience and mental strength practice. It's an incredibly good physical health practice as well. Um, it puts a stress on the body, and the body responds if done correctly with um, incredible benefits uh, mentally and physically. So again, you know, mental benefits, you know, walking down to the river for me personally in the middle of winter when it's, you know, minus two degrees out, there's ice on the river, you know, that, that's incredible, that's frightening, that's hard. But if you can break down that mental barrier of no, I can't do this, um, you know, and it, you, you realize physiologically, physically, it's not that bad. Once you get in and you have a purpose and you have an actual direction, you have a mindset of I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. Um, physically it's not that bad it's actually not that bad at all and that's the the mental barrier is what people put up around cold immersion you know look it just looks so cold and it is cold but physically you can handle it uh, mentally that's the thing you need to get your head around so if you can construct that mental strength and resilience to get your head around that and actually come out of it thriving on the other end now mentally that's very clearly beneficial and the, the benefits you can transfer that to other areas of life are profound um, 
so just having that mental strength, that resilience, just to tackle hard tasks is uh, extremely empowering and just uh, useful in all, re- all areas of life. Uh, physically, again, it's a stress. It's, it's, uh, you, you go to the gym, there's a stress. The body um, responds in certain ways. Uh, the cold performs a stress on the body as well, and it responds in certain ways. Um, so incredibly good for the immune system, extremely good for the immune system. Um, it helps the production of brown fat, helps with the growth hormone, uh, helps with insulin sensitivity. Um, I've got a slide on here, actually, which I can't actually find from my <laughs> talk the other day. Um, helps break down the biofilm around chronic infections, something a lot of people are uh, battling with these days. Um, the immune system, brown fat, cardiovascular health, um, circulation. It's just an incredibly powerful health strategy that to keep in your arsenal, basically. No, awesome. Uh, in the morning, I like to think of it, uh, um, and I imagine uh, the vagus nerve, which is one of your cranial, yes. cranial nerves, which goes right down to your reproductive system. And I imagine that those deep, controlled breaths that, that I take in are stretching that vagus nerve and, yes. and really trying to prime my sympathetic, uh, sorry. Exactly. Parasympathetic nervous system so that when I do go to my somewhat stressful job, I, I, I don't think it's too stressful, but when I, and that, that I'm not reactive or try not to be reactive. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, this is, you know, you know, we talk about um, we talk about health and well-being, and it's nutrition and it's um, it's physical training. But there's many things outside of that. You know, wild foods can be one. The out of foraging, uh, cold immersion, um, and you know, it's, it's being. We live in a world now where we're very reliant on others to make us better. To how do we do this? How do we do that? How, how, make me better. Give, give me something for this. But um, you know, part of this is understanding um, the concept of self-reliance. You know, I want to go to a job. Um, I want to be in the best possible shape when I get there so I can be prepared, uh, be efficient, be productive. Um, so, you know, taking these strategies, learning them, honing them, developing them, uh, practicing them, understanding them, you know, it's just becoming a more self-reliant person. Absolutely. And, and it probably goes back to this this tri- tribe again. But, you know, I get, get people coming into me and I, and I ask them about their medications and, and one, they don't know. Two, if they don't know, they do know. They don't know what it's for. Three, they don't know, uh, you know, what they can do about it, and they just take uh, a lot of the a lot of the statements. Are, I don't know. I just take them, and it, and it breaks, breaks my heart every day because it, it's yeah. kind of like, well, and, and this is your health. This is your your vitality. This is your, you know continuity your ability to continue on and, and share with people yet you're just uh you know like i say droning on in in this in a system and and you know i think i'm mean, gonna correct me if, if i'm wrong here but i think you know the central theme with where we're going with this podcast is um you know the need for connection and yeah. also the lack of connection you know we talked about having a purpose having a tribe um wild foods, cold, cold training, um, growing up, fatherhood, uh, manliness, you know, it comes back to a connection. And I think that's what people are lacking. I think it's what people are, are burning for as well. You know, that's what we're trolling through Instagram to find a connection to something, something that makes us um, look for something bigger than ourselves. You know, that, that's what we need and that's what we're lacking, a connection to something greater, something that we're actually intrinsically uh, hardwired to be connected to, I guess. Um, and you can call it whatever ways you, you can call it one of many things, but you know, it's, it's a connection that we need. 
a connection to a lack of health, a connection or a disconnect to, you know, the medicines people are taking. Um, but I think once we do find that connection back to things, you know, start questioning a doctor, what are these pills for? Why am I taking them? Are there things that could be better for me? Maybe there's not, maybe there is, you know, what can I connect, get connected to, you know, and once we really find that, like I said, that's when the big transformations happen. No, absolutely. And, and especially this, this podcast is geared towards our generation of, of, of finding, finding ourselves and, and hopefully equipping people with, with some tools that whilst they might, might ignore straight away, the more, the more they're exposed to it. And, and, and like even myself, uh, I've been exposed to a couple of things. Like you say, the, the book Sapiens, I've been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And yet again, it's reinforced, you know, and it's something that I think, hey, I need to read there. There might, 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 be, might be something in this, but yeah. yeah. Um, what, what's, what's the vision for New Age Primal? Where, where are you heading and um, how do people find it? Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the hardest part for me was actually quantifying what the courses are, what, what, what it is we're doing, a mission statement. You know, that, that took me a couple of years to really develop. You know, it wasn't something I just chuck out there. This is what we do and I'm going to be stubborn and stay with it. It's taken a few years and like I said, we've changed direction and we've sort of swayed a few times. Um, you know, the, again, the goal for me is just to work with like-minded men who want to be the tip of the spear, who want to achieve uh, everything they can and teach them mindsets, skills and strategies to perform and survive at their absolute best in this world we live in. Um, so I guess for me now, I've really honed in on what it is we're actually going to be doing and, and what my sort of purpose and passion is with this and, and what's beneficial and what's needed as well. Uh, so from here, I think, you know, the, the next stage is just is just refining the process. You know, I think I've got incredible uh, knowledge and skills and mindset strategies to pass on, but there is only as good as the platforms I have to actually get it out to people. Um, so for me, I'm just developing the courses a bit, you know, working with online courses. We're doing a lot more online courses as well, making it a bit more accessible for people to get in touch and actually uh, make the most of the information. So just... Um, making a bit more of a user-friendly platform, I guess, uh, the courses, the, the design of them. Uh, like I said, changing the name as well. We're currently newageprimal.com, uh, sorry, .co.nz, uh, but that website probably will change in the next little while. And um, even if you do type that in, it should redirect to the new website. Um, but yeah, I think just, just, um, just finding the best ways to get this information out. Um, and I guess that's the beauty of now is, you know, we talk a lot about negative, we talk a lot about the negativity of the modern world, but, you know, the podcast you have, you know, this incredibly powerful tool to get this information out. So again, taking the best of the past and uh, combining it with the best of now and just finding the best, uh, the best ways to get this information out and the best way I can streamline the courses so people can take advantage of them. Nice. And uh, Instagram is, is new age primal at the moment as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again, you know, a name change might throw a bit of a hat in the works, but um, you know, we'll be we'll be out there and uh, won't be too hard to find. No, awesome, mate. And is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with? Um, I think you know, just 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 what we've been talking about for the last hour is just, you know, whilst you have this time here, you know, the, the coolest thing about this is even though we are in a world where you know there's a lot going against us. We, we do have this intrinsic feeling of we want to be better. We want to, we want to achieve more. We want to find happiness. We want to find love. We want to find connections. You know, that feeling isn't going anywhere. Um, so instead of ignoring it, you know, there's people like myself, you, um, other people in the world who are ac- actually promoting ways to um, make the most of those feelings, make the most of those challenges. Um, 
so you know just don't i guess my underlying message is don't settle be confident be happy um forge a life that you love handcraft the life that you love because it can be done um you know be confident with the fact that you want more be confident with the fact that you deserve more and um you know become an expert at that over time slowly sustainably and just you know keep pushing towards uh, health and happiness and success awesome thanks very much ben and My pleasure. Um, thank you for having me make sure you get in contact He's a great, great bloke. Cheers, mate. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. That was fun. No, that's that's that was cool. Where was he? Well, I'll probably get that um this up by. So that was an absolutely incredible chat. Probably more we could have dived into, but unfortunately for me, I had to get off to my nine to five and didn't want to hold up being too long, uh, especially with a young baby in the house uh something which i'm sure i'm going to appreciate more and more uh, as the months go on but no as i said in the podcast at one stage um he has a beautiful way of putting things and the way that he frames what he's doing i think for me i took a lot out of i approached the question of i have a lot of thoughts going on in my head and i guess that's what a lot of this podcast is about is asking the questions that I have and finding people who are disproving some of those uh, negligible answers that I come up with in my head. One of the things that I've heard lately is about how people on their deathbed, you know, the things they regret are the things they don't do and I heard something the other day along the lines of somebody's biggest uh, fears in their lifetime some of their biggest mistakes that they made never actually happened because what they what they feared led them to down the path of what they knew what was familiar and so they never explored something so they were never able to actually fail because they never gave it a go. They they ruled it out of their head. And so I think doing this podcast and, and hearing the perspective of different people like Ben, who's out there living his dream, living his truth, uh, just really starts to hit home to me that those ideas and those things in my head are quite possibly the things that I should just have a go at. And something that Alex and I have found with expecting the baby and we had plans to go overseas in March when our baby is due. The common question that we keep getting is, are you still going to go overseas or has that changed your plans? And we are still planning to go overseas. We're very much inspired by the movie Given, which is on Netflix. Highly recommend that. And it's quite interesting how people will say stuff to you without really engaging what they truly believe uh, we get lots of people saying, oh, well, you won't be able to travel now. Well, of course you can travel now. There's plenty of people around the world that do travel. Uh, people almost put their fears on you without even having a thought to what they're saying. And it, I think that comes back to when you're thinking about ways of living your life, um, ways of creating a business, ways of following your passion it's often that fear and 
that thought of oh but what if instead of wow what could happen that led you to carrying on doing something that you're unhappy about and I think back to Ben he is somebody that's living his truth despite I'm sure a number of challenges uh, he's a very fulfilled man so I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did um, of course I'm always bringing you the stag roar with the help of Waikido and of course you can find that at w-a-i-k-e-t-0 dot experience keto dot com that's for exogenous ketones hell of a lot of information on our facebook page that's waikito just with a o instead of a zero on facebook we've got all heaps of information about low carbohydrate diets about looking after your metabolism being carb appropriate as Cliff Harvey would took it, put it from a couple of podcasts ago. And also we put up all the Stagwell podcasts on the Waikido Facebook page. Um, if you're interested, head along to the Facebook page or straight to waiket0.experienceketo.com for exogenous ketones. Thanks very much for listening. I am so honoured with the people that have jumped on so far. I really appreciate it. Last time I checked Keegan's podcast from last week, or last time, sorry, was one away from getting 150 listens across podcast apps. Um, Eddie Dawkins cracked 100 on YouTube, so it all means the world to me, and thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy what we're doing. Cheers.